Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on July 6, 2014. Today's message is titled, Pick Your Path, by Dr. Lyle Schrag, and is based on scripture, Psalms 1. Now this morning I'm going to invite you to join with me as we begin a series of studies that is going to take us through the summer months, a journey that's going to take us into the book of Psalms. Now it's a remarkable book, the book of Psalms. It's identified as the hymn book of God's people, a collection of reflections, 150 in all, that stimulate the mind, that set reflections. Uh, as I've read one commentator, he says they help percolate the heart. I like that, percolating the heart, you know, somehow bringing things of substance to the, fo- to the fore. The fact is the Psalms are best read with that fresh and open percolated heart. Because it is in the Psalms, really, where God seeks to train us and we find our voice. There's a line from the old hymn, Oh, to grace how great a debtor that goes this way. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Well, the best way I can put it is that when you wrap your heart around the Psalms and you find your voice in the Psalms, it's as if you've gotten a heart and soul tune-up. Tune my heart to sing his praise. And... When you do get into the Psalms, as we will this summer, you will find the voice that God has given us, and our heart then begins to beat in the rhythm of the Spirit of God. And no matter how familiar you may think yourself to be with the Psalms, especially with the one that we will look at this morning here, the first Psalm, we will find that having a regular tune-up is to our benefit. It brings us back to our roots. It makes life real. (laughs) Years ago, Ray Steadman uh, wrote a commentary on the book of Psalms, and he entitled it The Folk Songs of the Bible. Now, I know I'm showing my age here, but he wrote that in the 60s, whenever folk songs were hip, um, and, and were known as the common voice that gave the expression to the full range of human experience. And that allowed us to be able to experience the, the whole spectrum of emotional um, uh, life. And so, uh, now I, I, I think that I have a sense of some of where the congregation is today, but I don't know for sure. There is grief, there is rejoicing, there is joy, there is anticipation. There are all sorts of things that come around together here, but I do know this, that when we open up God's word together, we find ourselves on common ground. And it is holy ground. And it is in here we find our voice, and we do it together. So I'm going to invite you to join with me at the beginning of this book of Psalms in Psalm 1. And as I do, let me set up just a bit of context for understanding the book of Psalms. Now, I know, while I know there is a little bit of debate on this, I like the thought that, that, the, that the book of Psalms is divided into five books. You'll see that right away when you open up the book of Psalms. It says right there, book one. There are five books, the 150 Psalms divided into five books. And the thought is that the five books are quite similar in theme to the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the themes found in the Torah are then reflected in some of the themes that are found in the Psalms of the Bible. And so uh, I, I like that thought in particular because it translates everything that is revealed about God into something that is very, very personal for ourselves. It allows us to take the Torah and make it a personal expression as we find our voice. 
And as Psalm 1 opens book 1 of the Bible, which is, of course, Genesis, the theme of Genesis can be taken quite personally. Where God is not just the author of the Bible and the creator of the world, he is the one who writes our stories, my story, your story, all of our stories, and he is the one who creates us. And he cares for what he created. And with Psalm 1, I am humbled to find that I am as precious to him as all of creation. And as much a part of his story as the stream of patriarchs that appear within that book, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you and I have that same standing in the heart of God. And having said all that, this morning I want you to then turn to Psalm number 1 and realize that as we open this up, it is the doorway to the book of Psalms, but it is a doorway where you have that personal invitation. And this one psalm really sets the pace for all the rest, so let me just read it. How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I'm just going to pause there. You've heard the whole psalm uh, already read to you in our in our lesson this morning. I'm going to move through a couple of metaphors. We talked about this being the doorway. Now what we do is we find when we open to the Psalm 1, we are standing at a crossroads. Just at the very beginning, we are standing at a place where a path is to be chosen. And where life then stretches out into two different directions as you stand at a crossroad, where then you have to choose which path you are going to follow, the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous. It's it's a clear contract between a God-centered or a self-centered life. There are only two roads that really stand out as you open the doorway and you see this, now this crossroads. There are only two paths that are available. Now, this very same theme of two paths is something that runs through the rest of the book of Psalms. And to be honest, it is something that is found throughout the entire Bible. Page through the scriptures and you'll find yourself consistently standing at a fork of the road. And you are faced with a choice of which direction to make. And you begin to realize that life is, in fact, composed of consistent decisions that have to be made on and on and on and on and on. There is a path that leads to God, and there is another path that leads away from God. And the choice is yours and yours alone as to which direction you will take. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 25 and verse 27, Solomon says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Choose your path. Near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ lays out the similar challenge that not every path leads in life leads in the direction that we want to go. He says, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In Psalm 1, we we find ourselves standing at that very same crossroads of life. And it's clear that one of the paths goes the way we would like to go, and the other way leads to a place we don't want to go. You don't want to go there. In verse 6, it says, The Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to what? Destruction. 
And you may think to yourself, okay, so what's the deal? It's a no-brainer. Is there really any choice here? Of course, whenever I make a decision or a choice in life, I'm going to pick the right one. I am going to go in the right direction. Well, please do not miss the, the point of the book of Psalms. It is not a matter of one great big choice that you make. It is a matter of all the choices that you make. It's a cumulative effect of the choices that you are making in life, the choices that you've made even become this morning, and what you're going to carry with you into tomorrow and into the rest of the week. It is a cumulative effect of choices that makes all the difference. With every choice you make, you are setting the course of your life. And the, and the point that Solomon was making and Jesus is making and now the psalmist is making is to get us to understand that we are constantly making choices which will either take us down into a dead-end road or will lead us to a place where God will, in fact, bless us. Blessed is the one who follows after him. And even though there are influences that tempt us daily to deviate from that path, ultimately our hand is on the steering wheel. And the decisions we make and the pathway we choose to follow determine our destiny. So what are the factors of the choices that are to be made here? In the first three verses, there is a description of one who carefully follows the path of righteousness. And it begins by exposing the daily challenge we face. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, carefully look at how those words unfold. You have three verbs in those. You have walk, stand, and sit. And together they describe the motions that cover just about every posture we have in life when you consider it. At any moment in life, I can find you either walking or standing or sitting. Unless, of course, you've fallen and you can't get up. Okay, I understand. Okay. So these are, the, these are the three postures of life. Walking is a term that suggests casual movement along the way. And by itself, it implies the idea of one who is just kind of ambling without much thought as they move through life. Have you got that? It's not necessarily a matter of evil, walking. It's just shuffling through life without much thought. But the walk begins to take on a particular tempo. It takes on a particular beat, and it's tapped out by the rhythm of what we have in the scriptures here, the counsel of the ungodly. And so they are not just shuffling. After a while, they begin to get a beat. Now let me give you an illustration. Uh, I, I, I used to love to run on the roads before my knees finally began to grind, and now I hit the treadmill. But years ago, when Bethany was still over here, uh, one of my favorite runs uh, was from the Langara YMCA that took me and a number of our, my buddies, we, we would go up through the Queen Elizabeth Park. We'd come all the way up there. And one summer, as I was running up through Queen Elizabeth Park, I suddenly realized I was being followed by an ice cream truck. Now, you know the type, you know, uh, with the loudspeaker and is only playing the first line of Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. da 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 well, I was just kind of running along, and 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 somehow that 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 beat was beginning to 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 
infest my mind and I find myself after a while kind of like a zombie. And I wasn't fast enough to escape that stupid truck. Nor was I strong enough mentally to break the beat. I was trying to. You know, and I found myself, I could not get away from the counsel of the ungodly. I like the way one paraphrase translates verse 1. Oh, the happiness, many times over, of the one who does not even casually go through the motions or imitate the plan of life of those who live in ungodliness. That walk is done with reflection, with intention. What influences the habits of your life? If you're not paying attention, the influences are there. And the psalmist warns us to consider our pattern of behavior, the template of our speech, and the attitudes that shape even the casual way in which we go about our lives. Be careful of what influences you walk in, and then you realize in the process of that walk you will find yourself at a place where you ultimately take a stand. Walk, stand. The Hebrew word for the word stand has the idea of a committed placement. I like that word, stand. It is associated with the path, and it's not a matter of a spot. It is a matter that you find yourself now with a set behavior. I'm convinced that there are very few who, who just wake up one morning and say to themselves, today I'm going to make my stand. I am going to be evil. I am going to be despicable. I am going to do nasty things. I am going to take my stand for evil. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to start my day by shaking my fist in the face of heaven and to do everything I can to abuse everyone around me. Today, I'm going to be a pig. Nobody wakes up saying that, I don't think. In fact, it's more a product of progressive deterioration, carelessness, a thoughtful toying with dangerous things and ideas and habits until the casual wandering and ambling of life becomes more and more focused and firm and where the counsel that has set the pace for our walk suddenly becomes a matter of commitment. And you find yourself taking a stand. It's a stance that you're taking. It's no mistake that the word, Hebrew word for counsel is, as it stands here, the word stand. And in verse 3, it comes from the root of the term meaning to be hard or to be firm, to be hardened in heart toward that thing. So be careful how you walk, where you stand, because ultimately then it will determine where you will sit. And no more progress can be made, for you are set. The word sit implies permanent setting, a habitation, a sense of residence. And that's where all the dynamics of walking and standing, of influence and commitments are then galvanized into a set position and a hardened conviction. And this is a dynamic and a danger that we face every day as we find ourselves somehow stumbling along. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. Look at the first word of verse 2. I love it because it starts off, but there is another way. Verse 1, blessed is the one, verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
The daily challenge is matched by a daily and nightly discipline where our careful thoughts are given to the choices that we make. The word law used here is helpful because in order to live the life God wants us to live, we need to have reliable standards, clear directions, and realistic perspective. A counsel that is honest and true, and God gives us that sense of wisdom. And with his word, his spirit applies discernment. The law here is a reference to the whole of God's written word, the entire Bible. Later in the Psalms, in Psalm 119, the question is raised by the psalmist. How can anyone keep his way pure? And the answer is given, by keeping themselves according to God's word. Not just a quick read here, not a verse here or there, but a habit of keeping the word, a discipline of soul, where, as the psalm explains, you treasure the word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. And the effect of this day and night practice, verse 3, growth occurs. And it unfolds as something very substantial. A life described in the psalm here as being like a tree planted by streams of water which yield fruit in season, whose life does not wither, and whatever that one does, he prospers. I love the words that are there. Think of your life and the life that you want to live, one that is substantial, that has purpose to it. Think of that life. Is it one that is planted, stable and solid and rooted? Is it one that is fruitful, productive, substantial and significant? It is, is it one that does not wither? It, 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 is, it is courageous. It is tenacious. It is resilient. It is one that prospers, fulfilling the goals that God has out for you in becoming the man or the woman that he intended you to be, the choice is there for you to make, and it's based upon all the choices that you continue to make. And in case you need a contrast, all you need is the first four verses of verse 4. Not so with the wicked. The psalm begins with an uh, the introduction of one who is blessed of God, and then, not so the wicked. An introduction of one who is sensitive to God's word and his will, not so the wicked. One who is rooted into life, but not so the wicked. One who is fruitful, living a significant life, but not so the wicked. Which direction and which life do you want to live? The choice is always yours to make. Years ago, when a dear friend first shared the gospel with me, he said something that has struck home and I've carried in my heart from that day. He said, of all creation, only man has the ability to say yes or no to God. Of all of creation. God has given you that wonderful gift, but you are the only one in all of creation capable of saying yes or no to God and doing so at every path that crosses your, your day. We are given a choice. And while with my friend I made a decision to send Render to Christ, I also learned that life was to be lived then consistently and decisively with care, with intention, and with obedience. I like the way Dave Breeze put it best when he said, the child of God is, an e is a creature of eternal destiny. 
For him, no day is without consequence. No fleeting moment can be called incidental or unimportant. The hours he spends and the decisions he makes have implications that carry on into eternity. And what he does today, what you do today, what I do today, will matter a thousand years from today and even to eternity. Not too long ago, I came across an illustration that seemed to galvanize this and bring it to heart for me. I found myself channel surfing on TV. You uh, you can picture sitting there pressing the buttons. Going through the TV, and I came across a show that featured a group of medical researchers who were developing a technology that would help paraplegics, those who had lost the ability to walk, to walk again. And, and, And what caught my attention and caused me to stop in the surfing was when the chief researcher said that their first task was to define the word walk. And I thought, well, I've got to hear this definition. And, and, and so he gave the definition for walking that they built them all their research on. He said, walking is strategic falling. Strategic falling. I love the imagery of that. And he went on to describe that when we walk, each step we take is, in fact, a fall. We are going from a position of balance where we are deliberately then going off balance and then catching ourselves to reestablish balance. And then we throw ourselves off balance again to catch ourselves and reestablish balance. Think of that strategic falling. And as he, as he began to describe that, my mind was just, just, just percolating. I like that word. I'm going to use it all day today. And I thought to myself, that's brilliant. What a beautiful explanation of why then the Bible chooses at the get-go here in the book of Psalms to use the word walk to describe our life, where we find ourselves in a position of having to cast ourselves with some measure of risk, but as a matter of faith, into the direction of choice, and then find ourselves empowered by our spirit to find balance upon a firm foundation, empowered by the Holy Spirit to stand, as it were, with rock-like steadiness. That's the falling part of walking. But even more than that, they said walking is strategic falling. And while it may be falling, something that you do as you risk a trust and you do it in faith, and then you call upon God and find your step secure, you are doing it strategically. You're taking steps in the right direction. It is not a matter of going through life staggering or wandering, but focusing on the right path and taking it as a step of faith. And maybe that's why this psalm ends with the reminder, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Because the way of the wicked perishes. The truth is, God is good. And he wants your life to be solid and significant. God really does love you. And he wants you to know the type of life that could be called blessed. So what will it be for you? There are the times in every Christian's life when 
when we find ourselves having taken a detour from God's chosen path and there are all sorts of forks in the road that distract us, God, God knows that. And he's watching over your way so that even now, even in a moment of worship like this this morning, you can hear the voice in the Psalms and then add your voice to it and say, I want God's blessing. I want him to guide me. I am willing to be rooted in his spirit. I am under his direction. And even as I come to the table and I take the bread and the cup, I am sealing this decision before him. Is that your prayer? In reading the psalm, we find a tune-up for our hearts. And we take it to prayer together. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I am in need of your blessing. And I confess that it's been lost to me when I've stepped away from you. Steps that I've taken in distraction, careless, with my words and my deeds and my actions. Forgive me, I pray, as I now turn to you and restore to me the joy, the delight of your salvation. And speak to me through your word and by your spirit, guide me day by day and night by night. In an obedience to your claim in my life, I turn to you. I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. And I pour out... And I ask you to pour out your spirit to me like a stream of water and help me to produce fruits that only the spirit can bring. And Lord, refresh me lest I wither. Use me as you will. For you watch over our ways, my ways, and will to the end until we join that assembly of heaven there to sing your praise. This we pray in the powerful name of the one who loved us and gave us, gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.